What do you say? What do you say? What do you say? What do you say? On this episode of What Do You Say with Gavin, that's me. We have New York Times bestselling author, entertainer, performer, and and amazing lady Amanda Palmer. We talk songwriting, gigging, British people asking for things, and of course, dominatrixing. Nice to meet you. And, uh, <laughs> Hello. One of my questions was going to be, I'll skip ahead because you've got much time. Yeah, go for it. When I've watched your videos, you're very good at connecting with people. I mean, I haven't always been this way. Okay. I've always really liked people and I spent my teenage years like very insecure and really afraid of them, but I, like, lately I've started thinking that instead of getting good at an instrument and practicing piano, I just practiced people. And I really, I really like people and I really like being with them. So, I mean, I had various choices of what careers I could go into. Yeah, yeah. And I, I picked a career where I got to look people in the eye and not get yelled at. So, <laughs> well, you had the career choice for, like, I don't know, like, I, the pigeonhole thing's horrible, so I'm trying very hard not to do the, the, the statue thing I thought was cool, the shows, the music, the books, photography. Mm. What was the plan B then that you turned down for all that? didn't have one. I, actually, that's bullshit. I kind of had one. I was, I, I was a good massage. I was good at giving massage. Okay. So in college, that's how I made my pocket money, is I was a massage therapist illegally out of my bedroom, out of my dorm room. I love that even you're a badass in massage therapy. How <laughs> did that in? I liked touching people. <laughs> I liked being with them. I liked them trusting me. I liked being together with people and actually getting paid to do it. Um, I would have been a really good prostitute but it, the stigma's huge. So, you know, I was a good stripper. Yeah? I was a good dominatrix. I had a really hard time crossing the any, line at knowing any, that... If any of our listeners have tuned in and want to be a dominatrix, <laughs> any tips you give them? Oh, I mean, it's a really weird, specific job. That's like saying anyone wants to be a lung surgeon, any tips? Like, it's, it's a, there's some, you know, don't do it without knowing what you're fucking doing is probably the best. It's just like being a surgeon. So you need to be a professional. I better take this back to the fringe slightly. What can you expect from your show tomorrow and Saturday? I don't know. You don't know. Rough idea? Some singing? I'm, yeah, I mean, rough idea. I'm going to play the piano and I'm going to play a bunch of new material and a few old things. Um, but it's very possible that the, the show that I played last week, uh, I was trying to figure out what I was doing. I had this... I had this desire to come here and script my show okay and make a make like a, verbatim know what you're going to say well, and more, stories more and or less like more or less like script my stories make it really economical and then i didn't make time to do that because i'm fucking overwhelmed and i have a two-year-old and i just didn't make the time even though i kind of had it in my head um but i also i just like boomerang sort of back to form and just flailed my hands and was like oh here I am here we are in Edinburgh I'm gonna tell you these stories I'm gonna make you sad and happy I'm gonna tell you what I'm gonna do I think I might just skip all of that tomorrow right and just like play the material and say say less but not excuse any of it I might just cut the fat and just be like oh fuck it we're here what part of the process do you like best of like say Inventing a song, to writing it, to releasing it, the video, to doing the performance, meeting people afterwards. Is there one bit that you enjoy more than others? I really, I really like all of it. Right. I mean, there are some, 
there's some high points in this whole process. Like, there's the high point of going like, oh fuck, that's a really good idea for a song. Yeah, yeah. And I can, and like, you can feel its potentiality, like this delicious thing you're about to eat, and your mouth starts watering, and you're like, oh fuck, if I get that right, it's gonna be really good. Uh, and then there's like the terrible slog of not doing it or right. not getting it right. Well, or, 17 doesn't sound yeah, like and just head. working on something and going like, oh, I'm not a good enough songwriter to actually write this song and I'm just a piece of shit and I've Please always been a piece of shit. And, yeah, no, I go to the dark. Everyone goes to the oh, dark. If you see things like that, well, <laughs> for the mere mortals in the world. Uh, I mean, I, no, I still go there. I think you kind of have to. You, I mean, I go through doubts and you skip along like a stone on water going like, oh, am I going to do it? Am I going to do it? Am I going to do it? Am I just going to sink? Am I going to swim? Am I? Like... And I mean, I've had plenty of songs die on me. I've aborted plenty of songs. I've miscarried plenty of songs. Like, they just, they don't all come into being. They just don't. And I still, like, I still have a little graveyard in my head of like the hundreds of great songs that I had good, really good ideas for and I never wrote. Yeah. Um, and then when you actually write a good song that you had an idea for and you've accomplished it and you've made yourself cry and you're alone sitting there at the piano that's like better than doing drugs it's kind of causing hate that like <laughs> like a piece of wood and metal can make people cry or laugh yeah yeah well and a confluence of thoughts connecting yeah, and yeah. poetry and all of your influences coming together into one thing how fucking amazing is it so are we going to hear some of that in your new album yes that just saying because it's here now and I have to go but how amazing is it that it's I've got a couple minutes that Madonna just had her 60th birthday on the day that Aretha Franklin died no what's the universe up to yeah the universe is up to some crazy fucking shit I want to make sure Trump's fault ask me so America versus Britain difference there's been a link in your book The Art of Asking I love it thanks but particularly as Brits, we are generally very bad at like shit at asking. seeing we're good or asking for anything, yeah? I'm married to one of you. Oh yeah? Yeah, it's a nightmare. Um, I mean, I so, love him. I love you, honey. So any any advices on how we can maybe like get over ourselves and be better at ditching the self-deprecation and blah, blah, blah. Talk yeah, about you that. all talk about how you do it. Can you just stop? How, how do we do it? How do we <laughs> change stop. it? Just stop! Amanda, sort just it out. Just stop! Just stop! Just for once, please. Uh, for you. Go. Yeah, just, I mean, I think it's changing because of the flattening and the internationalization of the world anyway, but yeah, just stop being so... if I'm so just a dude and I'm shy at doing this, how can I get over it? Think about what it is you actually have to lose and think about the fact that asking for something that you want or looking potentially awkward or making yourself potentially vulnerable is actually really hot and attractive to women. <laughs> Noted. Yeah, just do that. Okay. You'll get laid. <laughs> it all comes down to that. Basically. I mean, that's the way to convince a guy to do pretty much anything, but in this case, it's yeah, true. Yeah, simple creatures, unfortunately. You are. Or maybe someone will give you something nice to eat. So another or a nice cup of tea. <laughs> nice cup of tea. How British could that be? <laughs> Yeah, in a very different environment. Yeah, a little bit. The gents dressing room, but also after a three-hour show. How do you think it went? It's good. Yeah? Yeah, it wasn't quite as good as last night, but I was nervous because Neil was in the audience. Really? Yeah. You get nervous? I wouldn't have thought. He hasn't heard a lot of those songs. Had you heard the one about him before? Oh, the, the Vegemite song? Yeah. <laughs> yes, the Vegemite song. No, the, the new stuff. The, the abortion and the miscarriage songs he hasn't heard. We've barely been together for the last six months. Wow. 
So one thing I was thinking when you were speaking about you and Neil, and for my own music and bad experiences with ex-girlfriends, how do you help each other in the creative process? Uh, or how does he help you? Maybe well, you actually, I mean, we've been together for nine years now, and we've stepped on each other's feelings a lot. Right. I think the main ingredient is to just really not be critical unless very invited to do so. Right, okay. And mostly I think it's about giving the other person space to just do their thing and be themselves and not really get involved. We leave each other alone a lot when it comes to our process decisions and our creative decisions. And then we can talk all we fucking want about like the dishes and how we're going to renovate the fucking bathroom. But when it comes to... You know, I think you should or shouldn't have written that song quite that way or yeah. that book quite that way. You don't beat a test off of him first and give him, like, the first play of everything. No. No. He, he's, it depends on the material, though. He really helped me edit my book, and I trusted the, sh- the shit out of him because he knows from editing. He's yeah, yeah, yeah. gazillions of his own books, and he really helped me carve the story out of the 150,000 words that I'd written. <laughs> Um, and he helped me knock it down to 90. He was like, bump, bump, fuck this chapter, cut this paragraph, fuck, you don't need this, this is off topic, this is totally a different book. So, you know, but that book didn't feel as personal as, say, one of these songs. So, yeah, I get that. You know, if he were to see me backstage and say something like, great abortion song, not so sure about the second verse, have you thought about perhaps? And I would just clock him. Save <laughs> the clocking. Well, also, once I've gone through a really, really heavy process and I'm finished with a song, uh, you know, but before it's recorded, it's still really fragile. It's, it's like an infant. Like, it needs protection and coddling. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Something that can handle criticism. And I think most artists are like that when their work is fresh. You know, the last thing you want when you've poured your soul into something is to have someone so- come in and be like, oh, it's okay. Yeah. I take it you've never considered doing anything creatively together. We've done silly things together, but we've never done anything serious together. And, okay. I, and I don't think we ever should. It's, it's a kind of a don't cross the streams scenario because we have enough things to argue about. <laughs> without, <laughs> yeah, without doing your actual work as well as an um, outlet for arguing. But we, we, we try to stay involved in each other's creative lives. And it's actually one of the things that's been a real bitch about the last couple of years is he's involved in a huge, like a mammoth, gazillion dollar budget project that I have nothing to do with. Right. I mean, the only thing... Like I a movie or something? He's doing a huge TV series. Right, okay. And I am just like, is it fun? Is it good? Do you like the people? Like, how's the work? But it's really, really different from, hey, here, you know, read a draft of this short story or like yeah, the writer right, okay. processes that we're used to. And what about the album? I think you mentioned was it you're starting on it in a few weeks mm-hmm. towards the end. Do you have any titles or how much of it is written or were you recording it? Any more collaborations? What's the vibe? Um, well, a lot of the stuff I played on stage tonight is, is heading okay. towards Guess. the album. Yeah. Um, and uh, I don't know. I have a couple ideas for titles, but yeah. usually it happens during the recording process. Any you can share? Well, I mentioned one from stage tonight. I was going to maybe call it There Will Be No Intermission <laughs> But oh, that, right. I thought it was going to be a joke. No, Sorry. That, that wasn't actually a joke. I mean, it's kind of a joke, but uh, yeah, I mean, that would also make the tour marketing really confusing. Yeah. Like, is that, it's quite, it is clever, but then you might have to explain every so often that it's... 
It would be ironic if that was the title of the album and it was the first tour I did with an intermission, which it might be. So when you're recording... Just kidding! When you're recording, have you written everything before you go in or do you write some as you record? How does it work for you? Um, I've never gone into the studio. For a big record, I've never gone in... Uh, without the record like 97% finished right. sometimes we'll switch a lyric out or I'll sit there and I'll chat with my producer and be like oh this shit is long isn't it can anything go Yeah. but a lot of what I'm doing just these four shows in Edinburgh um, like that song Drowning in the Sound where I sing into the piano I've been like removing little instrumental bits where I'm like that doesn't need to be there that, 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 like live I'm like this is this. I can just get to the next bit I don't need to add all this filler and it's one of the wisest things that a songwriter can do is like play a song live a bunch of times because it's not the same as playing it in your bedroom and going does this work like you don't feel whether something works until you're in front of an audience right, you okay. feel it work or you okay. feel it drag or whatever and you touched on in the show about almost changing your songwriting style since being a mother or maybe the process what's Amanda's typical songwriting process or is there such a thing? Well, it's changed. I mean, it's not even so much the baby that's changed me. It's the Patreon. Okay. Since doing the Patreon, I've really just been like, I have an idea for a song, but I have a ton of responsibilities and not a lot of privacy and a kid and daycare and a schedule. I'm going to stick this idea on ice and then in 16 days I'm going to go into the studio for two days and I'm going to record this song and I'm going to write it come hell or high water and then I'm going to put it out yeah. and I'm going to get paid and so you're quite focused it sounds like the way you're speaking about it that. well it it's always been the case with me that I work really well when I do a song in one really furious setting mm. like whether it's long or short and you know it it can sometimes take me two hours to write a song. It can sometimes take nine hours okay. to just like sit and really focus and tweak. And it, how do you start a song? Is it a melody in your head or is it playing on the piano, ukulele? Or? It's, it's completely different depending on the song. Sometimes I'm just fiddling and I find a, a, a lick or a melody that I like and some words just plunk and attach to it and that leads to... Okay. Uh, that, that hooks into something unconscious that then takes me somewhere. Sometimes I just want to write a song about an idea, like the abortion song. I was just like, I don't know what it's going to sound like. I don't know what it's going to be, but I know what I want the subject to be. And sometimes things just pop into my head and, you know, I just have a radio in my brain and then I have to check, is this someone else's song? Or <laughs> you start playing I... it and it's actually like... Well, sometimes it's someone else's song and I'm like, oh yeah, that's not my song. And sometimes I hear something playing and I'm like, oh, I, I think that's... Yeah, I think that's actually just coming, get just just beaming down from the universal satellite. I should capture that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you know, and most times I don't. Most times I'm just like, oh, that would have been a great song. That <laughs> like they're falling from the sky and we're trying to grab some of these. I'm in the airport right now and I don't have free time for three months, so that one's not going to get written by. So is your like iPhone full of like voice memos of random yeah. stuff you thought of and things? Totally. Nice. Yeah, and I almost never go back to things. No? Really rarely I'll but, go back to things. So do you go by that sort of, if it's good, it's just going to stick in my head and I'll remember it? A lot of it, I mean, like a lot of creative things, when you look at the course of history, a lot of creativity is random. You happen to have the time, you happen to have the resources, you happen to have the canvas, you happen to have the piano, you happen to be in the right place at the right time when you had the idea. And Yeah, voila. the butterfly effect thing, it's not like... Yeah, and but you know, if you listen to good songwriters, you can up your odds extremely by creating those conditions more often than not. 
like okay. any good scientific experiment, you know. Um, so if you pull a Nick Cave and you clock into your writing desk every day from nine to fucking five and you sit there, chances are, you know, you'll write a lot of great material because you're sitting there. Um, whereas if you make yourself... Yeah, I was thinking that sounds less magical though than like, you know, falling it's from the sky. magic. What? It never was. It's work. That's why it's so, it's why it's so liberating to actually talk on stage about the process and just be like, it's not that sexy. It's just not, it's work. Oh, there has to be a bit of magic though in the music Well, there, there is. I mean, no one can actually explain what happens in so, a songwriter's brain when you're sitting there to, at the piano and at 5.05, you don't have a song, and by 5.45, you do. It's still fucking magic. But the fact that you've booked the studio and booked a babysitter and still have to get to the grocery store at 8 o'clock, like, that shit is not magic. That is the most mundane, boring bullshit in the universe. So but they're both like... You have to make... We're so fucking busy all the time, and I feel like the pox on our society right now. Constant stuff. Food, yeah, this, we, that. we don't make time to process. We don't make time to let shit settle and to let shit sort down and to let the pressures and the questions of our brains and our lives just have a second. How does Amanda do that? I go to yoga yeah. and I meditate. You have to do something. You can take a jog. You can walk by a cliff without your phone and consider throwing yourself off. You can do whatever it is that you do where you live. You can take a bath and not distract yourself, but you have to give your body and your brain time to deal. Because if you just keep cramming Facebook and Twitter and yeah. social media and podcasts, sorry, I love you too. But if, if all you're doing is input, you, 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 you'll never find the balance between the internal and the external. You're just going to get fucking more lost in the morass of opinions and information and self-doubt and craziness, and you've got to fucking stop every once in a while. I like it. Can I ask more questions? Sure. I'm conscious of your time. Yeah, how long has it been? Ten whole minutes. Okay, you've got two more minutes. Yes. I like your badges. I'm not actually looking in your top thing. I'm trying to see what your badge says. It's a Coney Island badge. My friends at Coney Island. And this one Straight says Carmarthen <laughs> in Wales. And I just ordered. And that is a uh, that's a vulva of the artist of, thought... of the artist who made the pin. It's, it's fantastic. So yeah. You've done loads of gigs. Best. So we uh, often interview breaking musicians tonight. You've been the queen of patronage and doing it your own way and all that kind of stuff. Hi. Your best stroke worst ever gig? Uh, well, they're different. <laughs> no, no, that's what I mean. Two, sorry, two instances. What's oh, been your best fuck. ever gig? What's your worst ever? Um, that's a present for you. My it. best ever gig was seriously between you and me because everything's always shifting. I will never tell. Yes, so. Yesterday. <laughs> Yesterday. I did a ninja gig, uh, like last minute. Was that in the piano place? Yeah, I announced it six hours before, or whatever, five hours before, and I did a last minute gig in the piano drum in the Royal Botanical Garden. Did you sing I'm the Walrus? Did I see that on someone's Instagram? I sang Eleanor Rigby and Yellow Submarine. <laughs> I should have. And it was the first gig that I've done in my life that my child had managed to attend pretty much the whole thing and I did it by luring him back constantly with the Beatles songs on the ukulele That's but it was brilliant. so fucking beautiful and there were a bunch of little two and three year olds running around the gig 
And I just thought, I can do this, it's all happening. I'm actually managing to do two things at once simultaneously. And it's, it's so linking that into the very start, yeah. the queen of connecting with people, you connected with your two-year-old at a gig sometime. I connected with a bunch of two-year-olds. Yeah, that's yeah. awesome. I chased them around with my ukulele. Know your audience. <laughs> I did. Were you like running around? Uh, yeah. Yeah, it's a circular venue. We ran in oh, circles. You don't have to tell us about the worst ever gig. I don't like ending on a bad note. Oh, the worst ever gig was a, a bar in St. Louis called the Blue Lagoon, and the Dresden Dolls were in like our second year of touring, and we hadn't toured out in New England much. And we were in my shitty Volvo, driving all the way out to the Midwest of the country where we had gigs that we had booked ourselves through the internet with our friends, and we were playing to crowds of like 50, 100, 200 people. And, and what was like Amanda self-talk saying then? Because that's, that's a tough slog to go when it's shitty like that, I'm guessing. Well, I mean, most of our shows back then were really good because we'd be playing these bars filled with like-minded people and it was and every Dresden Dolls show went off like a fucking frog in a sock. But this particular gig was set up by a friend of a... a friend of a... sibling of Brian's cousin. Like, it was all, like, very random. And she said... And I said, we've got tomorrow free. We'll just play wherever. Let's do a spontaneous gig. We can get the punks of St. Louis to come see us. And she said, I've got you a gig. Do it at the Blue Lagoon Bar. I know the guy. We showed up. Uh, this is sort of pre-social media, so we couldn't really announce it on the internet. Maybe we announced it to our mailing list, but right, yeah, nobody yeah. showed up. And it was us and her, just her, Lauren, bless her, and a sports bar in St. Louis on, on a kind of an open mic stage and a free show, and we walked in, and it was just 30 regulars, like these old, crotchety St. Louis people watching the World Series on a screen behind, our, behind our heads while we sat there and tried to do a Dresden Dolls gig with them all looking five feet above our heads. And I walked in, like before we even set up, and I walked in and I was like, Brian, don't set up your kit, don't set up your kit, let's just like, I was like, don't, let's pretend this isn't happening. Bring in your guitar, let's just do four songs and get this over with and scramble out the back. And while we played, and we didn't have many Dresden Doll songs on guitar, so we, we played Neutral Milk Hotel covers. <laughs> and I cried while I sang because I was looking out at the audience and all 30 of them were looking above me at the game on the screen, which had been turned to silent. And to they cry. were, I don't want to cry now. Uh, and then at the very end of the last song, we sang Two-Headed Boy by Neutral Milk Hotel and we closed on that. And I just closed my eyes and I fucking, I was like, fuck this situation, fuck all these people, fuck everything. I am just going to pour my heart and soul into the song and close my eyes and just do it no matter what's happening. I'll do it for Brian. I'll do it for Lauren. I'll do it for who, the one person out there who might be connecting with me. And I got to the last note of the song and I belted it out and there were tears streaming down my, my face and the entire room burst into thunderous applause. That was beautiful. Because someone had just made a home run on the screen. <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> Worst gig ever! You had me, you had me in. It was, uh, they had me too. I love you, I have to Thank go. You. That was Amanda Palmer. If you like the podcast or have any thoughts, please, please, please leave us a review on iTunes. If you like the music, you can follow Sourfish. That's Sourfish on Spotify, Apple Music and all those kind of things. Onwards. <laughs>